630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Somebody get the root beer and licorice. It's Friday night. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. The NHL January 1st. They want to do it. How realistic is it? We'll discuss that tonight as we continue to speculate about the start of the next NHL season. And I tell you what, if they got to do it uh, January 1st, then they're going to have to make some sort of announcement, I would think, within the next 14 days, maybe even within the next 10, if they want to announce the start of training camps and put out a schedule at least for the first portion of the season. We'll get to that tonight. Hockey Hall of Fame week. We've been rolling that out all week here on Inside Sports. Tonight, Rod Langway is on the show. Started his career with the Montreal Canadiens and then uh, spent the bulk of his time with the Washington Capitals and played for some Capitals teams that were quite good in the regular season, but they couldn't quite get over the hump in the playoffs. going to be great to have Rod on the show tonight. 994 NHL games, 52 more in the WHA. He did play for the Birmingham Bulls in 1977-78. It'll be good to have Rod on the show. Jamie Campbell from Blue Jays Central from Sportsnet coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. You may have heard the first female general manager in Major League Baseball hired today. We'll talk about that. And if you follow Jamie on Twitter, he's doing something really cool with some of his signed cards for a good cause. So I want to I want to get him to tell that story because it's a pretty cool initiative. The Masters, here's what we have. Now, the second round is not finished. Not everybody has finished his second round. So that's going to be wrapped up tomorrow. Then they'll make the cut top 50 in ties then round three and uh, then round four coming up on Sunday. But we have a four-way tie at the top, and all four of these gentlemen have finished their second round. They're all nine under par. Abraham Anser shot a 67 today. Cameron Smith shot a 68. Justin Thomas shot a 69. And Dustin Johnson shot 70. So a four-way tie from the lead. Uh, Four golfers just a stroke back, so it's pretty tight. Bunch of guys are at seven under as well. Tiger Woods tied for 22nd. He's four under par through 10 holes, so he'll have to play eight holes tomorrow and then see where he stands going into round three. Nick Taylor is your top Canadian. He's tied for 50th at even. Now, again, it's the top 50 in ties who uh, who get in. So, uh, you know, the way it's shaping up, he, he should be able to get in. Bryson DeChambeau, he'll be interesting to follow tomorrow because he is one over par he was having a tough second round. He's three over through 12. I, I was watching some of his round today. He took a triple bogey on a hole, uh, lost his ball off the tee, had to go back and tee off again, didn't hit a great drive again, and then chipped up beside the hole and then uh, and then couldn't get up and down for a double. So he wound up with a triple bogey. So is the reigning U.S. Open champ going to have a shot at the green jacket over the weekend. Certainly one of the storylines there. All right. Thanks a lot for checking in. My name's Reed Wilkins. You can get in touch. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D. Wilkins like Dominique, W-I-L-K-I-N-S, not like Lenny. He's an E-N-S. And you can email me inside sports at 630 Ched. Dot com. So the National Hockey League. Now they had the uh, the meetings yesterday, a Board of Governors conference call, NHLPA conference call. These were really more sort of information sessions as opposed to let's vote or or make decisions. But the NHL remains firm with having a January 1st 
start date for the next regular season playing at least 48 games and maybe they could even get into the low 60s we'll see about that we've talked a lot about 56 games on the over the last few days if it does start january 1st it will not be fewer than 48 games we know that and we know that's how they've handled lockout shortened seasons in the past and, and again, it, it's it's getting narrowed down. Very likely there's going to be a Canadian division, at least to start the season. But, you know, the border is an issue right now, so they would keep the Canadian teams in Canada. They'd keep the American teams in the United States. How are these games going to be played? Well, looks like it's one of two ways are, are the favorites at this point. You have regional hubs, so you're probably looking at four divisions Canada, and then just we'll call American divisions in the West, the Central, and the East, just to make it easy for the geographical terms. I know there are more teams in in the East, but maybe the teams in in Florida would would go with some Central teams. And you, you likely would not play games outside of your division. So there'd be a regional hub for your division. And again, this is the two weeks in, one week out format. So say Calgary's a, a hub for the first two weeks of the season, all the Canadian teams go there for 12 to 14 days to play maybe seven or eight games. And uh, then they go home for a week and then they go either back to the same city or somewhere else and continue playing the season that way. The, uh, the other format that's gained more and more steam over the last few days is the baseball model, the, the home away modified model. So this would allow teams to play games in their home stadium, in their home arena, Maybe at some point there could be fans allowed in, which would help with perhaps a little bit of revenue for the owners. If you're selling hot dogs and pop and beer and a little bit of merchandise, we'll see about that. Obviously, that would have to jive with what uh, health authorities and, and, and everybody wanted in whatever city it's in. So the home away format would be, okay, the Edmonton Oilers open the season at home with three games and four nights against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then the Winnipeg Jets are going to come in for three games in four nights or five nights. So the Oilers maybe are home for the first week and a half of the season. They play 10 games, but they're only, or they play six games, but they're only against two different opponents. Then the Oilers hit the road and they go to Ottawa and play three games, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And then they play three games in Montreal, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, and then maybe they come home. So that's the, that's the other format that would still have teams traveling as they did in Major League Baseball, as they're doing in the NFL. NFL is obviously a little different because they only play the one game a week. But that would allow for teams to truly be at home for their home games and uh, the NHL hoping cutting down on travel, leaving a team in one city for a while where maybe you can sort, you know, sort of keep them relatively protected inside a hotel. So th- those, are the, those are the two things that are really being talked about right now. Uh, as so training camp, I mean, we're looking at training camp probably in a month, maybe as soon as December 12th, maybe it starts December 15th and 16th. And this is for a January 1st start date. I want to clarify that. I've been a lot of questions I got this week. What happens to the Oilers because of the world juniors coming into town? Well, the Oilers would and Oil Kings, we should factor the Oil Kings into this as well because they have a January 8th start for the Western Hockey League, so they're going to have to have training camp around that same time. Um, they, they're looking into alternate locations. They don't have a location picked. There are certainly options, whether you're talking about Nate, LaDuke, Claire Drake, um, 
Terwilliger, these are all places where the Oilers could hold training camp, and, and they're already exploring that. So, you know, the, now we're, and here's the interesting thing. World junior teams could start coming into Edmonton as early as December 13th for the tournament that starts on Christmas Day. Of course, they're playing pre-tournament games uh, in Red Deer, so you could have teams already in Edmonton perhaps needing practice ice of their own on December 13th. So, But the Oilers... They're going to have a place to have training camp. The Oil Kings, they're going to have a place to get training camp. Not announced yet, but I think they're already going through that process. So that those are some things to, to look about. Roger's place is, is, uh, is ready to do it. The OEG is ready to host again if they have to do some sort of hybrid bubble type situation again with teams staying downtown and playing games at Rogers place if they do that. And, and again, if this is, uh, if, if they go with this model, it may not be the same hub city throughout the year. Like it wouldn't be two weeks in Edmonton, one week home for everybody else. And then back to Edmonton, they, they might move it around to different arenas again, if it, if it's allowed by the health authorities in whatever region we're talking about, but OEG is ready to do it. OEG's always are already done it. And another thing I, I was thinking about here, and this is this is purely in, in me speculating department, but think about this. If the NHL starts the regular season January 1st, that doesn't mean that everybody starts the season January 1st or January 2nd since we have an odd number of teams. Let's say they go with this hybrid bubble model where it's two weeks in and, and one week out. So two weeks of games, one week off. I don't think the NHL would would do it where everybody plays during the same two weeks and then takes the same week off. The TV networks want Wednesday night hockey. They want Hockey Night in Canada. They want Sunday night hockey. So you could have maybe the American West Division starts January 1st. The Central starts January 3rd. Uh, the East starts January 5th and the Canadian division starts January 7th. And then that way somebody's always playing and you always have content for TV and you're never taking a step back where fans are like, Oh yeah, this is the week without hockey. There's already something going on. So just something else that, that crossed my mind through, uh, through all this, that if they start January 1st with the hybrid bubble model, and it's two weeks on, one week off, they don't have to have it so the whole week is off at the same time. Also, there's a lot of talk about leaving the last couple of weeks of of the season without games scheduled. So let's again let's let's shoot let's shoot for the January 1st start date. And maybe the NHL says, okay, the season is starting January 1st, the playoffs are starting May 15th. Here's our 56-game schedule, and it ends on April 30th. And you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute. Why are they leaving a two-week gap from the end of the regular season to the start of the playoffs? Because they would leave those days vacant for games that might have to be rescheduled if there are COVID concerns, travel concerns, or whatever. So Washington and Philadelphia, who were supposed to play January 17th, 19th, and 20th, get postponed they now play May 2nd, 4th, and 5th. And and then that way, uh, there's you know they have two weeks to, to plug in any games that might have got pushed back during the season. And then maybe if no games get pushed back, they just say, okay, we'll start the playoffs May 5th instead of the 15th because everybody's done. So just, just, a, just a whole bunch to consider here. 
as I've said a million times, nothing is for sure. Things seem to change, but the NHL is pushing hard to get this going. All right, we got uh, your code word coming up next for the virtual Grey Cup house party. We'll have a little bit from Elliot Friedman on the next NHL season. It's Inside Sports on Chet. It's the 2020 Grey Cup party that couldn't happen, but the ultimate virtual Grey Cup house party that did. 6.30, Chad, the double E football team, giving one lucky listener the ultimate at-home experience delivered to your home by the EE football team mascot, Punter. The winner gets 500 bucks worth of double E gear, gets a $100 gift card for Save on Foods, $100 worth of Skip the Dishes gift cards, plus an additional four $40 Skip the Dishes gift cards to be shared with four friends. The contest code word, our final one today. So take this and write it down and enter it in. Well, I guess you don't have to write it down if you have a good memory or you write it right at your computer. I'm not going to force you to write it down. Today's code word is Grey Cup. So you put that in on the contest page under the appropriate contest at 630shed.com. And uh, is it Monday we're doing the winner for that, Kellen? Monday during the coaches show? That's what I understand. That, that's what we're doing. It Okay, so I, I think Morley and Dave are announcing the winner Monday uh, during the coaches show from 730 to 8 here at Inside Sports. So that's the last code word today. It's Grey Cup. So throw that in on the contest page and uh, good luck. And next week, it's Green and Gold Grey Cup week here on Inside Sports where we'll be uh, – bringing you some special guests and some special memories of championship seasons for the double E scheduled to join us on Monday receiver, Brian Kelly, who was uh, an excellent player during his time from the late seventies through the 1980s here in Edmonton. So that'll be pretty cool. Okay. As for the national hockey league, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet was on orders now with Bob Stoffer, and uh, Bob asked him, so what do you think? How certain are you of a January 1st start date? Yes. Well, put it this way. I think it's the wish. Like, if you ask the commissioner what his wish is, I believe that's it. Is it possible? It's, I mean, we'll know, I think, by U.S. Thanksgiving. Put it this way. uh, Like, you know, one of the things I've been kind of wondering about is, you know, Christmas. Right now, in the current CBA, the players have time off around Christmas. And I've tried to speak to his players and agents and say, what are you guys thinking? And I've had some, uh, some guys, especially guys who have to cross the border, whether they're Americans who, who have to play in Canada or they're Canadians who play in the States or even a couple of Europeans and their agents, um, you know, like, you're not going to see your family for a long time. And I had a couple guys who said, like, you know, Christmas would be important to me, especially if you have kids. But I have had some guys, Bob, tell me that if you're ever going to give it up, it's going to be this year. You've been with your family for a long time. You know that this is a unique situation. Like, I don't think there's a lot of appetite for let's bring everybody in Christmas in December 15th and then send everybody home for two or three days around Christmas. Like, I, I, I can't see that. Um, but I, so I think for this year, there's an under, there might be an understanding that if that's what you want to do, you've got to do it that way. 
But I think there's also a chance if they can't get this done, you look at bringing everybody in after Christmas and then maybe starting on January 15th. Like, like I said, I, I think... I think the league really would like to start January 1st. I just don't know if it's humanly possible. Yeah, and Elliot said later on in that segment with Bob that that he thinks it's ultimately going to wind up being January 15th. I, I think we have to know something relatively soon. The NBA is starting December 22nd. They've announced that. They announced it a few days ago. They're planning for that. So if the NHL is going to go with January 1st and needs about the same amount of planning, which you think it would, then they got to announce here pretty quickly. Maybe something next Thursday or Friday. I, I, I would, from what I'm hearing and what my gut tells me and how I kind of read the situation and what's being said, I, I would think next Thursday or Friday would be the earliest if they're going to come out and announce the start of training camps for whatever day in December and then a season on January 1st. If not, you'd think something has to come out the week after. And as Elliot Friedman said, you have American Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Uh, Edgar says, hey, Reid, I like the idea of a Canadian division, though I'm not sure the Battle of Alberta would be as exciting if you see the Oilers and the Flames playing each other eight or nine times in three and a half months. To me, that might be a bit of overkill. That is from Edgar. Uh, The Big L. Uh, No, you can't return the Can Hams Big L. The Can Hams are yours. Do with them as you will, but you can't return them. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you that that is an interesting point from Edgar. Uh, I mean, we we like the all Canadian matchups. They're, they're always special when they when they happen. Is is there going to be the same type of anticipation for uh, you know three games against Toronto in four days when usually you only play Toronto twice an entire season? I, I still think it would be pretty intense. Um, you know, maybe if if one team's fallen out of it or, or or whatever, it might lose its luster a little bit. But but I think for one year, it'd be pretty neat to see a Canadian division. Okay, Hockey Hall of Fame week continues with Rod Langway next. Thank you, Darnell Nurse. Again, checking that Masters scoreboard. They're going to have to finish the second round tomorrow. Abraham answer Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson tied for the lead, nine under par. They all did finish their second rounds today. Tiger Woods still has eight holes to play in his second round. He is tied for 22nd at four under. Right now, Canadian Nick Taylor, the best from our country, right on the cut line, tied for 50th at even par. They're taking the top 50 and ties for rounds three and four, which goes Saturday and Sunday. Well, we've uh, we've had some really cool stuff this week with Hall of Fame week. You've heard from Lanny McDonald. You've heard you've heard from Mark Howe. Uh, we had Phil Housley on the show last night, and I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports Hall of Fame defenseman Rod Langway. Rod, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Watch a little golf. Oh, geez, did I did I give away the scores for you? <laughs> No, no, no. I can't wait for Tiger to tee it up tomorrow morning. Yeah. Now, are you a big golfer yourself, or do you just like watching? No, I I try to play about three times a week. Uh, pass the time and 
Go have some cold ones. Well, so you're really good then. No, I wish <laughs> I was. Yeah, I, I, I feel your pain. I often lament my, my struggles on the links on this show. Hey, well, well, thanks a lot for coming on, Rod. Before we dive into some, some memories and stuff, uh, let, let fans know what you're up to these days. Well, right now, like everyone else, I'm in uh, not quarantine, but lockdown. There's nothing going on in D.C. Now the hockey program is shut down. Shut down. I haven't been into D.C. for almost nine months, and it doesn't look like we're going back to work for who knows when. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's uh, let's go down memory lane a bit with you here. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of my listeners will remember uh, you patrolling the blue line, mostly as a Washington capital. But I want to go uh, way back because you have a very unique title uh, as the only NHL player ever born in Taiwan. Can you tell us how that came about and maybe a little bit about your, your really early life? Yeah, um... Well, my dad was a 21-year veteran of the Navy, so he was in sur- in the service. And what I understand at the time that my dad got uh, stationed over in, uh, back then, it was called Formosa, Taiwan. And my mom went over. It became safe to go over there. My mom went over from California, and I was born in Formosa, Taiwan in 57 and my dad was on you know a cruiser i believe at the time just protecting the islands after the korean war so but i mostly grew up honestly in the boston area and um that's how i got into really sports and my dad got out i believe i was like five years old he retired and um Got back to normal, you know, normal life, and stayed in more or less one home. So you don't remember really, really living in Taiwan very much, then, eh? No, sir. No. Uh, I, I just, you know, and you know, my dad's passed now, and my mom has too. Um, really, never talked about it. So when when you're growing up in in, um, in the Boston area, I'm wondering what were the the sports of choice for you, either that you played or watched, or, or athletes you looked up to in that era. Well, growing up, well, I had five brothers and one one sister, so I competed with my two older brothers, and you name it: kick the can, uh, tag. Baseball, base, uh, basketball, a little bit, not much, but uh, in football. Football and baseball was the two major sports that we played in the family. Okay. Did you have one that you preferred or that you were better at? Um, not really. I mean, I was too young, really, at the time with competing with my brothers. You know, I, the, I wasn't real fast, but... You know, I could hit and go and whatever, but I had good hands as a football player and I had a good arm as a pitcher in baseball. Okay. So so when did hockey enter the scene? How how old were you? Who got you into hockey? Uh, I would probably say Bobby Orr. And then I think I was, I got into it around 13 years old 
um, all my football and baseball teammates that I was growing up with, uh, I had a handful that played hockey, and they said, you know, they said if you, you know, if you can skate or whatever, you know, come on out. They were looking for players, and you know, I was one of the bigger kids around, so I got a pair of figure skates. I don't know, I don't know really how I got them, but uh, got a pair of fish skates and started learning how to skate. And they talked me into. Oh, buying a pair of Bobby Hull CCM skates for $19 after I shoveled about 10 or 15 uh, parking lots to get the money to pay for them. And that's how I got into it. You shoveled snow to get your first pair of skates. That's amazing. Well, that's the only way we did it. You know, you had five brothers and, you know, not much money going around. If you wanted something, you had to go work for it. You know, in the summer I cut grass and did odd jobs and, you know, got through, you know, if you wanted something, you, like I said before, you work for it. Okay, so you get into hockey. Uh, I mean, your journey's a little different than a lot of Canadian kids, Rod, who get their first pair of skates uh, in the delivery room. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> now were you... I wish I did. Yeah. So did you feel like you were a pretty good hockey player? Like, I, I know you're probably not thinking about the NHL when you're 13 or 14, but did you think, okay, I'm pretty good. Maybe can I, I can do something with this? Or what was that part of your life like hockey-wise? No, my first, really, I was um, baseball and football, I think, got me into the so-called limelight of getting a scholarship. My goal was getting a scholarship around, I would say, 15 or 16. You know, what on Saturday up in, you know, in the States, you know, there's a major league football game on TV, and I think I was watching Ohio and Michigan play. And they were talking about, you know, the superstars of the football team. You know, they said, oh, they get a full scholarship. And this young kid, I don't know who it was, driving around with a vet. I said, shoot, I'll get a full scholarship and uh, maybe the school will buy, you know, a car for me. And that's how I got more or less thinking about going to college on a scholarship. And uh, I got into... A football team, oh, well, the, my high school and had a program. That were, we had some good athletes at the time, and all of a sudden I got recognized as a potential, you know, Division One football player. And uh, it went from there, and then all of a sudden all the letters started coming in when I was, oh, a, a sophomore, really, at the end of my sophomore year, you know, free scholarships. You know, come here, come there. And then my sophomore year of high school, um, I had a good year of baseball. And the scouts started coming around, looking at me as a catcher and a pitcher. And then, (laughs) believe it or not, hockey was the third sport. That's okay. That's okay. So how did it, because didn't you get to play two sports in college for a little while? How did that come about? Well, that's, that's the reason uh, I picked the University of New Hampshire. I went to a small school, football-wise, and a Division One hockey program. Um, they were the only school that I talked to, really, 
that will allow me to play two sports. And, you know, I got, I got recruited at Michigan State. You know, they said, no, you can only play one sport here. Um, I went out to see Iowa State. They had a house league hockey program. Um, and then all of a sudden, the University of New Hampshire said you could play both. You know, the Charlie Holt, who was a head coach of the hockey program at UNH, says you can play for me anytime. And then, the, of course, the football program was Division Two at the time. They said, shoot, we'd love to have you come here. And, of course, you can play hockey at, when the season is over. So that was a no-brainer for me. And then how did it eventually become hockey only? Because it sounds like you really wanted to be a football player. <laughs> no, it, it, the, only, the only reason it became hockey only is that I was drafted in the first round of the old WHA for Birmingham and the second round of Montreal. And believe it or not, the NCAA rules, uh, you can be a professional in one sport, and still be a amateur in another. So, uh, with the Birmingham Bulls off being a contract, which is, you know, nothing great, but a lot more than a physical education teacher would get for three years. And if I decided, after, let's say, after one year of pro hockey, I didn't like it or it wasn't good enough, I could always go back to university and go back to school and get my education and play football. Do you think you would have been good enough to play in the NFL? That's, people say yes. They, to this day, people tell me I was a better football player than I thought, I guess. <laughs> I really couldn't tell you. I, you know, I know a lot of the old Redskins that, you know, the football players that were around when I played for the Capitals. And they, you know, I had the size, but again, it's a, you don't really know what it takes to be a professional athlete, you know, in, in any sport. So I couldn't really answer that. Rod Langway joining us tonight at Inside Sports Hockey Hall of Fame week here on the show. And he's telling you about uh, being pretty good at, uh, at football and baseball as well, but eventually wind up, wound up going pro in hockey. Uh, man, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to jump around here, Rod, because our, our, our time is limited, but I want to hit on some, some big parts of your career. You, you did play in the WHA, then you go to the NHL. You're with the Canadians, uh, tail end of their four in a row into the early 80s. And then they traded you to the Washington Capitals. So was that a surprise at a time? Or tell us about moving from the Habs to the Caps. It was kind of a surprise. But, you know, I kind of forced uh, the issue because of the um, money exchange. And I I talked to some people in Molson at the time. And more or less I had the what was going on in the finances. And it wasn't feasible for me to keep working in Canada, unless I was a Canadian. And I kind of asked for things that they didn't want to do. Uh, Mr. Grumman was a GM at the time. And the biggest thing was U.S. currency. And uh, they wasn't, they weren't budging on it. And I guess in his mind, he wanted to, you know, not deal with me and just try to make a deal. So... I'm kind of, I was upset at the time, but when it turned out, 
it was fine, and we moved on. You went to a Capitals team that obviously had really struggled when they entered the league in the 1970s. When you were on the Capitals, uh, you know, you went to the playoffs every year, had a couple of uh, deeper runs, had some disappointments along the way, Rod. I, I kind of remember those Capitals teams from that era as being being really good, but for one reason or, or another, you kind of always ran into a roadblock in the postseason. How do you sort of sum up that, that era with the Caps? It's perfect. You, you nailed it. It just uh, from injuries to um, a hot goalie against us, a bad goalie for us, um, a lucky shot. Um, mostly the you know the overtimes with uh, Islanders. Uh, Pat Lafontaine. Pat Lafontaine just turning around, going from a change and shooting the puck on net, and you know, seeing nine shot. And went in the net, and that was the end of our season. I mean, things just go that way. And I think when you watch, uh, maybe you watch the Stanley Cup, there's an issue on the winning team that gets the right bounces. And a better team might be out of the playoffs because of a bad bounce. You know, Rod, I, Kelly Rudy's a weekly guest on my show during the NHL season, and obviously he was the Islanders' goalie in that Easter Epic game. Kelly's still tired from it. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I probably lost a oh, pint of blood on, in that game. I got sliced to the ankle. I don't know who it was, Gilbert or somebody in the corner, stepped on my inside my skate and slit me for about seven stitches on my ankle, and... My my boot was full of blood every period. It always, you know, kept splitting these these stitches. But yeah, it was a long night, <laughs> and I couldn't believe people don't realize they stayed in D.C. until I believe eight nine o'clock in the morning. They bussed to Philly, played the following night, and beat Philly. I, I don't know if and Kelly's ever told me. ever told me that. Yeah, they went. They won the first. They lost the series, but they they won the first game. Yeah, that's a, that was a memorable game. Yeah, that was a memorable game. I remember staying up till like one or one thirty in the morning. Uh, I, I grew up just outside of Edmonton, watch watching that game. Rod Langway on yeah. the show tonight. Rod, I, I want to hit on a couple more with you. Thanks for being so generous with your with your time. Um, the the call to the Hall of Fame when you when you actually got the phone call. What was that moment like? What was that day like? Oh, you know, of course I got the, you know, I heard about it the night before, but when I did get the official call, um, we had a, um, the TV, uh, channel four NBC came up from DC and filmed it, filmed the day. So it was, it was really special. And, um, again, it, you just don't realize what the magnitude of being selected into the hall of fame is. And every time I go back and, you know, the people I talk to and having having Hockey Hall of Fame next to your name means and represents is incredible. You know, I'm 63 years old now, and it's, it hasn't changed. It's, a, it's the greatest honor I've ever had. All right, and here's one for you. I've asked every Hall of Fame guest that I've had on the show this week this question. Is there anybody in the NHL currently that reminds you of yourself? 
you know, you, like I asked you a little text before I came on here. I, not really. I wouldn't say. Again, the league, the, the game is completely different. But to, for me, if I was going to be, what, uh, say, oh, somebody says something about, oh, this guy reminds me of you. I got a phone call two or three years ago from Boston say, hey, this Dougie Hamilton, for some reason, he reminds me of you. Now, again, I, I didn't watch Dougie Hamilton that much when he was playing in Boston, but now he's in the uh, um, Carolina team. I see him a little bit more. I mean, he's got – it's similar, but I won't say he's identical to what I am. And then the other kid I, I really love to watch, he's got more skill than I, I did, is uh, Seth Jones. Oh, he's think, awesome, yeah. He's, <laughs> I, I look at him, I, honestly, I look at him as a young Larry Robinson. Where he just, when he wants to, he can, make, he can go from end to end and make a quality um, offensive play. Those are, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just a, still a, a, now I'm still a fan, a big fan of the NHL and still always hockey anyways. But it's it's fun to see these young kids taking over and controlling the NHL and it's so much entertainment. We miss it. Rod, I got to throw in one more because I, I got a text here from a listener. He says, hey, Reed, if you have time, could you ask Mr. Langway, how he would compare having defended against Gretzky and Lemieux. So compare defending against Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. Both pretty dangerous offensive players, obviously. Oh, together or just individual? Individually, like if you had not 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 together, but you know, if 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 Wayne was coming down on you as opposed to if Mario was yeah. coming down on you. Yeah. Well. Nothing against you know nothing against Wayne. I knew Wayne wasn't going to beat me one on one on one, number one. But I knew he's going to make the four other players on the ice <laughs> get the puck and score. That's that's the tough thing. I had to rely when you play against Wayne, you had to rely on all your other teammates to cover other players that are going to get open. And the things that Wayne did, his knowledge of intercepting pucks. Bad passes, uh, picking a pocket. He was a master, you know, and that's why he's made one of the best ever. Mario, and another, he's a sleeping giant. That's the best way. I can. I played against Mario a long time, about the same amount of time as Wayne, but I saw him a lot more because he was in our division. When Mario was going. It was very, very tough to stop. He could beat you with his strength, but of course his skill. And then he got to a point where he almost embarrassed players on the ice. It's a completely different animal between Wayne and Mario. Yeah. Hey, Rod, thanks I mean, for doing this. I, I really appreciate you oh, taking the time to join us. We had, we had a great week. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just to say... 
you wouldn't turn either one down as a as a team. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's, 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 a, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Hey, well, well, thanks for doing this. I'm glad you're doing well, and thanks for sharing some memories and talking a bit about uh, guys in the current league. I, we've, we, like I said, we've had, we've had, you know, the fourth Hall of Famer we had on this week, and uh, and it was special to talk to all of you guys. So thank you so much, Rod. My pleasure. Enjoy it. That is Rod Langway checking in tonight, Hockey Hall of Fame defenseman. How about that? Uh, was was a really good football player and baseball player. In fact, those were his first loves before hockey winds up going to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. He was inducted in 2002. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.